You are listening to a podcast from Parkside Church of Christ, a non-denominational church in Dearborn Heights, Michigan, sharing life with Christ, with each other, and with our community. At the beginning of March of this year, we began a series that we are calling The Journey to Easter. Over the course of seven weeks, we are exploring what happened in the seven days leading up to Jesus' resurrection. This series will include Sunday morning sermons and also midweek reflections from leaders at Parkside. This podcast will include both. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead found it, and uh, there just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, they said. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 19. There are some movies and TV shows in which all of the principal actors, all of the main characters, share a lot of the same scenes. They're on screen together a lot. Uh, Famously, 12 Angry Men is one of those movies, right? All 12 men are in the same place for basically the entire film. What's surprising, though, is how often this isn't the case for many classic shows and movies. For many of these, the majority of the scenes are filmed with just a small subset of the cast on set at a time. For instance, I recently heard of a TV show about a family that ran into some scheduling conflicts when they were putting it together for some of the main actors. And so most of the scenes in the entire show feature just a few select family members at a time, interacting with each other in pairs or in groups of three. So a brother and sister might go off on an adventure over here, while the mom and son have a whole separate storyline at home, etc. It was only for a couple days in making this show that the entire cast was able to be there at the same time. And so throughout the series, there are these occasional scenes when everybody is at home together. But those scenes were all shot in just one single weekend. For the most part, you never actually see the family all together on screen. And that story of that show got me thinking about other shows and movies I've watched. And I think there's actually a decent chance that the same could be said of at least one of your favorite movies. For instance, 
I ran Star Wars through this test, and I was surprised at what I found. I want you to picture in your mind the movie poster for the original Star Wars movie. Who all is on that poster? You got Han, you wanna answer the quiz question? <laughs> Go for it. See if you can get the main eight. Yes. You got Luke, Obi-Wan, C-3PO, R2-D2, Leia, Darth Vader. What's the last one? General Tarkin is on there, yes. And I think Chewbacca is on there as well. Uh, do you have this hanging up at home? No. Okay, just one. <laughs> so, Sam wins the prize. I gotta figure out what that prize is later. But uh, yeah, those are the, minus General Tarkin. I think those are the main eight characters in the movie. Those are the, the core characters, the main actors. But try to picture all eight of them in the same scene at the same time. How often do those eight actually overlap in this movie? I ran through the entire movie in my head, as I do from time to time, and I could only come up with one moment, one maybe 30-second scene, as Han and Leia and Luke and Chewie meet up with R2-D2 and C-3PO to escape the Death Star. They come across Obi-Wan fighting Darth Vader. That is the only time, it's only in that one brief moment in a scene that probably took at most a day to film that all of the big actors from the poster show up at the same time. That actually might be the best hint that this is meant to be the climax of the movie. Often when all of the actors appear on screen together, it is a sign that this is the pivotal moment in the story. Uh, this seems to be especially true in big epic stories. Marvel, for instance, seems to play this card with each of its big superhero movies. Somewhere towards the beginning of the final act, all of the heroes who are off on their own different adventures convene together, the Avengers assemble, for the climactic final scene. Everything that happens from this point forward is set in motion here, when all of the actors show up on screen at once. The passage that I just read a minute ago from Luke 19 is a similarly climactic scene. But Luke gives all sorts of hints that this is the climax, that this is the moment that sets all of the other moments in motion. But one sign of this that I had never noticed before until rereading it this week is this phrase that Luke uses in verse 37. As Jesus comes over the mountain and begins to descend down the road to Jerusalem, Luke writes that the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. There are lots of ways that Luke could have described this crowd. Mark simply calls them many. Uh, Matthew calls them the crowds that went before him and followed after him. John calls them the large crowd. And Luke could have used similar words himself, but instead, he goes one step further. This crowd, in his description, isn't just a crowd or even the crowd, but is instead the whole crowd of disciples. It is everybody. It's all of them. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, setting in motion a week of events that will culminate in his death and resurrection, the whole crowd, all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus are there. 
As far as I can tell, this is the first and probably last time that all of these characters show up in the same scene. When shooting the Life of Jesus movie, this is the only day of filming that is truly all hands on deck. This is the only time when some of these actors will ever meet each other on set. And if schedules allow, I would imagine that this is the scene that the director would save for the final day of filming because it is the perfect excuse to get everybody together and throw a rap party. And that is a rap with a W, the, the big celebration that comes when the filming wraps, when all the scenes have been shot and the actor's work is done. The only way to guarantee that nobody gets left out of the wrap party is to schedule it on the day that you shoot this scene on the road to Jerusalem because everybody, for once, is here for this. And it's already, when you think about it, kind of a party atmosphere anyway. You got the palm branches, the parade, the singing and shouting and crowds. In fact, I wonder if the actual people in this story, the actual crowd, greeting Jesus outside Jerusalem, also understood this to, to kind of be a sort of rap party, a celebration of the culmination of the revolutionary kingdom of God that Jesus was inaugurating. I mean, they definitely seem to see this as a climactic event, as the moment that they had all been waiting for. That's the reason that they have all gathered here, why this scene stars the whole crowd the entire cast of disciples. And it's at this point that I, and basically every other preacher I've ever heard tell this story, typically make the famous ironic turn that makes this scene so powerful. This crowd, we are often reminded, is the same crowd, you know, that throws Jesus a welcome parade, who shouts with joy in the streets, who cries out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This is the same crowd who later this same week will shout, crucify him. The crowd who celebrates Jesus's arrival on Palm Sunday calls for his death on Good Friday. That is a meaningful and powerful way to tell this story. I've told it that way before, and I will definitely tell it that way again. But today, I'm finding myself less interested in the story of the crowd, the whole crowd, the big mass of people as a single unit, and more interested in the stories of the individuals we find in that crowd. I came across this African proverb earlier this week that got me rethinking how I approach this story. The family is like the forest, the proverb goes. If you are outside it, it is dense. If you are inside, you see that every tree has its own position. I wonder if the same could be said about this crowd. I have only ever approached this story from the outside looking at this crowd as a dense palm branch forest. But what, I wondered, would it be like to step inside it, to see each person in their own position? So I'd like us to give that a try. As the big scene with the whole entire cast plays in your imagination, 
let it keep playing until it gets to that wide angle zoomed out lens of the whole crowd waving their palm branches alongside the road with Jesus in the middle. I'll give you a second to get to that part in your brain. All right, now pause it right there with everyone still on the screen at the same time. Who do you see in that shot? It's like a giant Where's Waldo of all of the key actors in the Gospels. So let's see how many we can name. There are some here who are the perfect example of the thing I was talking about earlier, this ironic shift from praise to betrayal that's about to happen. There, laying his coat in front of Jesus' feet, is Judas Iscariot, the man who will sell out Jesus to his enemies in just a few days. And there are the other 11 disciples who will each abandon Jesus before the end of the week. There's Peter right there with them, leading the way. Before next Sunday rolls around, Peter will deny ever having even known Jesus. And there, maybe in the corner of the screen, separate from the palms and the parade, but still right there weighing in on all of it, are the religious leaders who will have Jesus arrested. And if you squint, you can kind of see in the background, blurry in the distance, a couple Roman soldiers. Perhaps some of the same soldiers will take part in Jesus's crucifixion. So the old familiar way of telling this story totally holds up for several of the people in this shot. In this crowd, there are quite a few individuals who are about to make the worst decisions of their lives, turning away from and even turning against the same Jesus that they are worshiping right now. But they aren't the only ones we find in this crowd. If this is the whole crowd of disciples, and there are lots of other people here too, including some people who will prove to be surprisingly faithful in the week ahead. Over there are some of the female disciples who will stand by the cross when no one else will, who will go to the tomb on Easter morning. Mary Magdalene, Mary Jesus' mother, Salome, the mother of James and John, her boys might scatter at Jesus's death, but she will be there with him to the very end. And over there is Joseph of Arimathea, who will provide a place for Jesus's burial alongside Nicodemus, who is off in the corner right now with the religious leaders, but he is definitely on a journey towards salvation. And the list of faithful disciples continues as even less recognizable individuals come into focus. There is Simon from Africa carrying his traveling gear as he makes his pilgrimage. Just a few days, he will be carrying not his luggage, but Jesus's cross on this same road headed in the opposite direction. There is the woman who anointed Jesus's feet just a few days earlier with her perfume and her tears. And there is the widow who gave away, or is about to give away, the last of her life savings. And there is the man who will provide the room for Jesus and his disciples to share one last Passover meal together. And there are the dozens of people who will publicly mourn at Jesus's death. There may be pictures of pending unfaithfulness in this crowd, but there are plenty of surprising portraits of 
unsung faithfulness too. And alongside all of them, there are all of these other people who don't fit neatly into one of those two categories, but who are still worth noticing and naming. Like that one guy over there, flanked by his two sisters on either side. That is Lazarus. He was dead earlier this month. And then Jesus showed up and well, here he is, alive and well, joining in the crowd, celebrating Jesus's arrival with his sister Mary and his sister Martha. And around them, there is this sort of crowd within the crowd who had witnessed Lazarus's resurrection and are now here because of him and are just a few days away from another resurrection. There are some Greek people here too, foreigners longing for full inclusion, strangers eager to meet Jesus themselves. And there are people living with sicknesses and disabilities who will keep following Jesus beyond this moment on into the temple, longing for healing. And by the time they get there, they will be met by a crowd of these little kids, children singing Hosanna so loud and uninhibited that they disturb worship and upset the entire status quo. And over there is this guy named Cleopas and his friend. I don't know his friend's name, but they won't actually get a chance to meet Jesus the way they're hoping until next Sunday, until Easter, when they'll join him on another road on the way to Emmaus. And if you really look hard, you might even notice a couple uncredited extras, two thieves making their way through the crowd, picking pockets. We'll meet them again on Good Friday. The point is, when we move inside this crowd, we find individuals from every possible position and perspective. Underneath this unison chant and surface celebration is a whole spectrum of experience. Some are celebrating miracles. Some are mourning losses. Some are angry and plotting violence. Some are desperate and seeking salvation. Some are hurting and longing for healing. Some are curious and seeking and skeptical. And some are just there because their parents are there or their kids are there. All of these different people, all of these disparate storylines are intersecting in this one moment, gathering around this same Jesus. In other words, this crowd is a lot like us. We are, as Tony mentioned, kicking off this series this morning that will take us on a journey from here to Easter. We are going to take seven weeks to explore what happened in just seven days, in the week that leads from the palms, through the cross, and on into the resurrection. And this series will include sermons and scripture and songs that we'll share on Sundays, but it's not just limited to what happens during these weekly worship gatherings. Dan and I are working on video reflections that we will share midweek via email, so if you're not already getting the Parkside emails, let me know so we can fix that. And there's going to be other things too, reflections and activities, stuff haven't even come up with yet that we will join in together over the next several weeks. But our hope is in all of this, 
as we walk this road together, following Jesus alongside each other on our journey to Easter, we will find ourselves somewhere within this crowd. Some of us are celebrating, and some of us are grieving, and some of us are angry, and some of us are desperate, and some of us are hurting. Some of us are curious and skeptical and seeking and longing. Some of us are pictures of pending unfaithfulness, and others are portraits of unsung faithfulness, and most of us are probably somewhere in between there. But whoever we are, wherever we're coming from, we are all here. The whole crowd of disciples gathered in this space and scattered throughout this region is converging in this moment. In all of our differences, our disparate storylines are intersecting in this journey, centering on Jesus. And as we walk forward together with Jesus in the weeks ahead, there is an invitation, I think, for each one of us. For some, it's an invitation into honest reflection and confession and repentance. And for others of us, it's an invitation to receive forgiveness, to receive healing, to receive salvation. For some, it's a dramatic change in direction, and for others, it is a steady call to just keep moving forward. For some, it is a cross to carry or a loss to bury. Well, for others, it is surprising life, new, unexpected life popping up in the most unexpected place. But for each of us, and for all of us together, it is an invitation to be formed, to be reformed, to be transformed in the presence of the crucified and risen Jesus. It's an invitation for the most faithful among us, but for the rest of us as well. The story that begins outside Jerusalem may lead on into moments of pain and doubt and failure, but Jesus is waiting at the end of this journey offering restoration without exception. If the disciple who denied Jesus can be reinstated and recommissioned, if the thief on the cross can be welcomed into paradise, if the soldier who crucified Jesus can confess him as the Son of God, if the crowd who cried out Hosanna on Palm Sunday and crucify him on Good Friday can be baptized together on Pentecost, if Jesus on the cross can look out at a whole crowd of enemies and cry out, Father, forgive them, then nobody in this crowd, Nobody in this room or on this Zoom is excluded from Jesus's invitation into transformation. And so let me close this sermon and introduce the next seven weeks by passing along that invitation. As we begin this journey towards Easter, let me invite you to join us, to join each other and Christ and our community with an openness to being changed, with an eagerness to see Jesus anew in his most famous week, 
and with a willingness to share in his death and resurrection. The road that leads to the cross isn't easy, nor is it nearly as familiar as we might imagine, but as we walk, we walk together, and we discover Jesus every single step of the way.